Sean, and this is Sess with Cass. God, I'm like professionally sorry for that. <laughs> Welcome to this episode of Sass with Cass. I'm your host, Cassandra Grodd, and I'm the best-selling author of both Bully and Darling. It is my intention behind creating this podcast to share with you my passion around helping others feel like their most confident selves. Even if this podcast is just able to give you a smile or something to lighten up your day, I really hope that I can share my love for healing, beauty, sex, life, and everything in between. Thank you so much for tuning in and welcome to the Self Love Club. Holy shit, guys, I just um, pressed record and it's all happening for me. <laughs> Welcome to Sass with Cass. This is the podcast um, version of my thoughts. All right, so let's not fucking lie. I'm way out of my depth here, people. Normally I'm staring at my phone half naked in my bedroom and we have really upgraded. Um, thank you for being here. Thank you for tuning in. I am excited to share this journey with you. It's a long time coming. If you have followed me, you will know that this is not my first rodeo. I actually was on a podcast with a guy that I was dating kind of seeing in New York. He was a stand-up comedian and he had this like really funny sex podcast and I ended up going on it. And a lot of you guys tuned in. It was so crazy. I remember going to the studio like around 14th Street in the snow and being led up to this place and I was with all these comedians and I felt so out of my depth and so not funny. <laughs> And they were so funny. Um, But yeah, it's it's not my first rodeo. And I hope that from that fucked up situation, from that douchebag guy, actually, he's not a douchebag. If you're listening, I'm sorry for dragging you. Um, But I hope I learned something. So my name's Cass Grodd, Cassandra Grodd. If you don't know me by now, you should. You can follow me on at Cassandra Grodd, G-R-O-D-D, or at Quotes with Cass if you like reading poetry about my ex-boyfriend. That's a different ex-boyfriend. That's not the same comedian guy. We've had a couple. Um, First things first, I just want to give a massive shout out to um, my friends and family at the awesome, awesome 25. Um, I have been working with 25 guys for a while, if you've been following me. This is no news. This is no surprise. Um, I really just love the brand. I love what they're about. I love the people. Um, They're really great people, really kind. The product is made in New Zealand. It couldn't be better for for what you get in 25 really it blows my mind they include as many vitamins and nutrients as possible 25 grams of protein and the um creator louis always says he's never met a mouth he can't feed so vegan gluten-free dairy-free incredible 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 um yeah i've been using this stuff for ages i do use it as a protein shake supplement i know that it can be used as a full meal a complete meal i myself personally use it as a protein shake um if you are interested in getting some 25 to try out p.s i am always having banana it's my favorite flavor uh, if you are interested you can use the discount code Cass is hot for a little discount off a membership or off um, a trial pack so they're doing a trial pack with a free shaker at the moment and if you just google 25 or h- check out their instagram you'll find the portal to buy one of those so thank you 25 for making this episode possible i'm really excited to share my first episode with a brand and people who I love so much. All right, let's get into it. So the first thing I um, have actually decided to talk to you about is the elephant in the room. And that is, you know, what's going on right now and and where the world's at, because it's an absolutely nerve wracking time for all of us. And I know that you've all been facing your own struggles and your own realizations wherever you are in the world, um, in your own little bubbles. And I I guess that whilst everything going on is incredibly hard and 
incredibly painful. I also want to just take the space to tell you that anything that you've been feeling, dude, is 100% okay. Like, if you've been upset over a guy who hasn't texted you back or the fact that certain things were cancelled or you're not feeling good in yourself or you're really anxious for your own personal reasons, that's okay. Um, Collectively, as a group, we're suffering and that's going to manifest in in different ways for everyone, right? So you're going to have those small pings really pop up for you. Um, And I encourage you to explore them and to journal it out um, and to reflect on those feelings. I... I know how difficult it is right now and to face all of that. Um, I guess the story that I'm going to tell you guys (laughs) today is the story of how I released a book in the middle of a pandemic Um, and it was no easy feat at all. It required a lot of help and it, it, it was really challenging, but I'm also really proud of myself. Uh, So to start the story for you all, in case anyone's wondering, um, I signed to, I um, began working with my fantastic PR agent, brand consultant. He's kind of an all-round masterpiece. Um, His name is Liam, Liam Sharma. Shout out Liam if you're listening to this. He's a fantastic, fantastic guy. He's incredible at his job and he really, really helped me. And when I I brought the idea of Darling to him, he kind of saw something in it that I couldn't even see myself. And he kind of just really inspired me and motivated me and saw within this book and within myself that there was a light that I wasn't tapping into and I will forever be grateful for him. Um, And the first thing I really wanted to say to any creatives or people who are out there thinking about following their project is you can't do it alone. I mean, you can do it alone. I did my first book alone, but you and we as a group are so much stronger together. There's going to be people who know more things about what you're doing than you. And it's really valuable. And I encourage you to tap into that resource. And if you haven't met people like that, open yourself up to new environments where you can meet them. And I know right now we're all in lockdown. It's incredibly hard, but I think this is actually the time to manifest those people because when the student is ready the teacher will appear you know what I mean and there are so many people you can reach out to online so many gurus Um, I've actually been doing this thing called masterclass I don't know if you've seen it they always advertise before YouTube videos and it's like Gordon Ramsay cooking and it's like masterclass sign up and I sound like I'm fucking paid by them but I'm not um but they are really good shout out masterclass if you want to sponsor the next episode let's fucking talk baby um but it is quite expensive but you get a lot for your money um and so I've been doing that and I've been doing the writing ones I, if you do have it I recommend Neil Gaiman's course he wrote Coraline guys if you're familiar with the um story Coraline you probably studied it in school which is unfortunate because I'm sure you now hate it because you studied every line of it and it's an incredible piece of writing um Neil Gaiman was talking about his perspective on lying in storytelling so lying and creating a fictional world in order to convey a message that needs to be conveyed in a fun storytelling way um anyway my point of my big rant and story is I did sign up not sign up I don't know if that's the right word I, I began working with Liam and from Liam I also began working with a professional editor unfortunately there's so many spelling mistakes in my book which is not my editor's fault I didn't have time to proofread we were pushing it before COVID so um forgive me <laughs> I'm sorry about that but yeah, I began working with a team of people. I also began working with one of my good friends, Amber, um, who helped me design my website. And Amber really just is like a titan, absolute titan of understanding web stuff and the shop and how to link it and um, how to get it flowing and how to create that business and look at the numbers and send everything. Everyone who did their workshop with me, she was in charge of like sending the PDFs and stuff. So she's a boss and I had an awesome agent at NZ Post and together with this 
group unit that I'd formed, I was able to have a really strong team. And when I thought about talking to you about how I created this book in this time, I created it because I had people who were pushing me, who saw the best in me, who wanted me to do well and they believed in me. And to them, I am so grateful. I wasn't, whilst I was sitting in my house alone when I published my book, I wasn't alone. And I guess that's my first tip is to reach out for help and to see what other resources you can draw on. Um, So for the months leading up to April, we were working on Darling and I would meet with Liam, we'd go to his house and we'd sit there every Monday for like an hour or so. And he would, sorry, I just clicked my pen. That's fucking amateur. Um, and he would guide me. He, he really was a guiding light for me and he would tell me how things would work and how we would pitch the book. And he pushed me to send the book to the right people. And we created this kind of, um, campaign where we were sending books out to people and they were posting it on social media and starting to create interest and starting to create hype. Um, And when everything kind of buckled down on us and the world started crashing, it was very hard for us because we were running off mixed messages um, as the whole world was. So people were coming up to me and they were saying, you can ship the book even when we're in isolation. And we didn't know if we were going into isolation. And yes, the post will be running and yes, we can do this. So everyone on my team was working so fast. Like even Phoebe, who did the illustrations, shout out Phoebe, Phoebe Bones, incredible illustrator. She did all the illustrations for Darling. Um, I was pushing Phoebe as well. Like everyone had the heat on them to, to get this project out. And when it came crashing down and when I got that call that you can't ship and this is going to be your life and you're going to be in isolation sitting on 2000 books. I, I didn't want to move what I had started. I didn't want to work away from my gut instinct. And the Liam and I picked the 4th of April to release that book for a reason. We were guided and we picked that date. And just because everything in the world was telling me not to pursue it, I wasn't going to listen. I was going to listen to my gut instinct and, Ultimately, it was a huge fucking risk and it fucking paid off. But that's my other thing that I want to talk to you guys about is uh, (laughs) everything and everyone can tell you not to do something. And if you have that voice, that innate little, or maybe it's not little, maybe it's a loud voice and you have that within you and you have that within your soul and it's telling you to do something... I encourage you to do it because your gut instinct is right. Nine times out of 10, that is what you are meant to be doing, guys. So I was sitting in my bedroom on 2000 books and I was, I called Liam, I called Amber. Amber was there in case Shopify crashed or anything when we launched. I remember the book going live and before the book came out, the morning that the book came out, it was an incredible incredible morning it was beautiful the sun was shining and my friend Julia sent me like a video of the sun shining and she was like it's a beautiful day to launch a book and I was like facts dude facts um and I went for a walk um and I came home and I instantly just sat down on my yoga mat outside completely alone and I started to do a kundalini meditation if you haven't heard of it and you think I just um said a random word you're not wrong (laughs) um I did one led by Gabrielle Bernstein. You can literally just Google Gabrielle Bernstein Kundalini meditation. I fuck with her heavy, bro. She's like my idol. Um, I did one of her meditations. I highly suggest you look into it. And as I was meditating towards the end of it, it it's a, like a mantra meditation. So it's where you chant. And this overwhelming message just flooded my head it was like someone had gotten paint and just painted on the front of my skull and the message that I received was we will not let you fail and I just burst into tears I was just crying and sitting on this yoga mat in Ponsonby in the middle of a pandemic with tears streaming down my face and I I sounds like I'm on mushrooms but I'm not I could literally feel my higher self holding my shoulders I knew that someone had me I didn't know what or if it was spirit or the universe obviously I'm incredibly spiritual and if you're not spiritual and you're listening to this you probably think I sound like a 
banana crazed monkey and that's true <laughs> um yeah and I was sitting there and I I just felt so supported and so held and I knew that I was gonna do it you know and yes of course we thought about cancelling it. Yes, of course, I thought about delaying it. Yes, of course, we looked at every option. And before I published that book, guys, I was in two to three hour meetings with accountants, with my dad, who literally said, here is the worst case scenario. Here is what it looks like for this to fucking crash and for you to make no money and not only make no money, for you to lose everything. And I looked at that with my eyes open for days. I We did every calculation. We did calculations where it would go okay. We did calculations where it would go freaking amazing. We did calculations where my life fell down. And, and the only thing that I think of when I think of my books is that I would literally go down with it. Like I will go down with it if it's going to go down. That's how much I believe in it. And I remember that I was on a um, subway cart in New York about a day after I published Bully and I was reading Bully on the train. I used to read that book back to back, man. I read that book fucking nine, ten times like in a row when it came out and I was sat on the subway reading and the whole subway cart filled with smoke um, and I looked at everyone and everyone was panicking and we were in this underground system and I looked at my book and I remember thinking, if I die... I did this and I would die for it. And that sounds so extreme and so crazy. And wherever you're listening, you're probably just like, shut the fuck up. But it's something that I'm so passionate about. It feeds me. It fuels me. It is my love. It never feels like a job. And I don't let anything or anyone tell me that it might not work because it you know, how do you know that anything's ever going to work? Like there's no reason behind magic, but there's, there's magic and madness, if that makes sense. So I kind of had that feeling and anyway, 11am came on the 4th of April and a lot of people had been sending me screenshots of their alarms. I'd done this kind of thing where I got people to set an alarm at 11am and I, um, I, I, 11 a.m. hit and across the fence, like behind me, I was sitting outside on my deck across the fence behind me. I heard an alarm bell ring and I mean, it might've been coincidence. I don't know, but to me, I just took that as a sign from the angels that people were waiting for me and people were going to support me. And I just smiled and Amber was on the phone and Amber goes, Cass, reload the page, like reload So when you look at our sales page, you see how many active viewers there are on your page. You can see analytics, you can see order numbers. And she goes, reload the pages and the order numbers. And we'd sold, honestly, I remember just reloading it and we had 200 orders and it wasn't even 11.01. And then I reloaded it again and we had about 300, 400 orders and it wasn't even 11.03. And within the first minute, my book had paid itself off and it had covered all expectations I had from it I was now in a financially good position with it and it hadn't even been over 120 seconds um people were just posting their confirmation screenshots I was just crying and my dad was taking photos of me like a crazy tourist and it was so overwhelming and in that moment I just I felt it I felt that feeling of flow and of acceptance and of that resounding yes like I walk around my whole life for years waiting for something to just say yes to me it's like I would work in these jobs and try these things and nothing would ever work out for me and I would push myself because you know you want to motivate yourself and do well and I'd push myself but nothing would just give me that like this is right for you moment and in that moment I got that Yes. Um, and they didn't let me fail. And you guys didn't let me fail. If you did buy a book, thank you very much for buying a book. If you would like to buy one of my books, they're available at www.cassandragrod.com slash shop. Um, I'm selling my own books. I distribute my own books. Um, little Kiwi gal. I used to run through Amazon and I don't anymore. Whoop, whoop. If you don't know, Amazon takes 60% of your profit as an author, which is crazy. 
Um, but that was basically my moment. And then, of course, the problem is that um, we we couldn't ship in level four. So that was the big next bottleneck is that we actually couldn't get the books out to kids and we were emailing them and releasing statements and I thank everyone for their patience because it has been a journey and as I record this to you it is um it's Tuesday is it April 21st guys or 20th and I can ship next week which is so exciting I'm going to be sending all my books out so that is really the story of how we released a book in a pandemic um which it wasn't just me, it was an entire team and I can't thank them enough. They had my back the entire time. They pushed me, um, even Liam pushing me to work with certain photographers and like actually get good photos of myself to use and just everything that you couldn't even dream of thinking of, Liam thought of. So yeah, huge thank you to him. Okay, for this next section of the podcast, we are going to move over from me kind of telling you guys a story and move into live questions from you guys that I have asked you on my Instagram. Um, I hope you like the setup. Like, I would love feedback on this, um, provided you don't freaking grill me, dude. But I would love to know if you guys enjoy this, if you enjoy the questions um, and whatnot. I am a really open book. As I mentioned, I literally was on like a sex podcast (laughs) and I remember people messaging me being like, wow, that's the most I've ever learned about sex. And I was like, okay, what? (laughs) Mom and dad, if you're listening, fucking don't, bro. (laughs) Okay. Um, But I am going to now pick some questions from you guys. I'm not going to say your names. I will never say your names, baby cakes. Don't worry. And I'm going to answer these questions for you. Okay, so the first question I have received is how to not catch feelings quickly. Um, And this is a really, really tough one. But I don't know if anyone's like this or not, but I either have hella feels for someone from the second I look at them or I'm not into them at all. So unfortunately for me, I feel like I have these like really big moments where I just look at a person. I'm just like, it's you. You're so attractive. You're so cute. I want to sit on your face. You're beautiful. And I just either have that innate moment or I don't have it at all. And I guess I really struggle because I walk around life and I'm kind of thinking, well, where's that person who I'm going to feel like that with? And they never... Well, I mean, they do come. I'm not saying they never come. Um, But often when I do feel like that, the person does reciprocate it, right? They do feel the same way back, but it's really hard how to navigate that. So the way I interpret this question, to be really honest with you guys, is actually how to not get clingy quick. Because I think if you have feelings for someone, you're allowed to have those emotions for them. And that's absolutely fine. Um, Everyone has feelings the other person has feelings, you know what I mean? But it's how not to be expectant with those feelings. Does that make sense? And how not to push those feelings in an unhealthy way too soon or too intensely onto a person where they feel like they need to validate you or to, you know, kind of hold you up and to support you because you can't support yourself. You need them, right? You need them to fuel this fire. So in that respect of not being needy too quickly, um, I, I would really encourage you guys to take a good look at where those little empty pockets in you are where you feel like you need someone else to like you back in order for you to like yourself. Where does that narrative come from? Where in your life do you feel abandoned or unsupported to the point where when you think of a lover, you want them to be more than a lover. You want them to be financially secure you or like a father figure or more more than just themselves Um, because often that desperate feeling of really, really wanting someone to like you is coming from a point of actually a point of vulnerability, which is vulnerability is good. That's the, that's the wrong word, but kind of a point of emptiness and a point of unhappiness. Um, and so how you could journey to look at that is through 
meditation. It's through journaling. Um, it's through therapy. It's also through just you listening to what I'm saying. And maybe there's a few things that pop up in your head. Maybe there's a few things that happened to you as a child or when you were younger, when you're in your schooling years that you're projecting. And I want you to remember that this person is not a person who's hurt you before. It's not a person from your past. It's not a person with you know, the same intentions. It's a new, unique person. And you just want to get to know them. You want to get to know them because you quite like them and you want them to like you. You don't need to project hella, hella feelings and hella baggage and make it really intense. Try make this beautiful and fresh and new and young and light and open up to them in a healthy way and communicate how you're feeling. Even tell them this stuff. Be like, I'm kind of stressed and they'll be like, why? And you'll be just be like, you're so cute and I have such a crush on you and I'm just trying to take it really slow. And then they'll probably take it as a really nice compliment and you can maybe work around it. So also don't push it away. I hope that was some help and that kind of answered your question. I don't know if I'm good at this, guys. Okay, so um, next question. Can you be friends with an ex? And this question is also related to a friends with benefits situation with an ex. <laughs> honey, honey, honey. Oh, she's treading on that rocky territory, baby. Um, I mean, as someone who kind of, I definitely pursued someone in my past that maybe I shouldn't have for quite a while. Um, and I was definitely kind of like kept going back to him. I'd compare guys to him. I just kind of thought he was the best I was would ever get or be around. Um, and he's a really awesome person. Um, so no hard feelings at all. But for me, I kind of relate it to that experience. I don't think that I think you can definitely be friends with an ex. I think you can have healthy boundaries so long as both of you guys have kind of moved on. I think it's if he's got a girlfriend and you've got a boyfriend and you're in this friendly neutral, I think that's absolutely fine. If your ex is single and you're in a relationship and you know that they're reaching out to you because they have an intention for more than just being friends with you, if you know that they're intending on getting in your pants, baby, and you are supposedly in a happy and stable relationship, I want you to really think about why you want to talk to that person. Um do you have feelings left unsaid? Do you not have closure? Um, what what really is it that is, you know, happening that is making you want to reach out to them or reply to them? Because I don't think that is very healthy. Also, vice versa with you and your ex to be in a relationship and for you to be single. How, are you have you not moved on are you still holding on to something and if so what is it is there a way that you can communicate that and get that closure for yourself without always having to project onto that other person um in terms of a friends with benefits situation with an ex I'm going to be really honest I don't think that's ever going to work out at all I think it can work out in the short term and then it will all end the same way that that situation has ever ended for anyone in history and that is that someone gets too invested someone gets hurt and potato potato um imagine if you slept with your ex and the next day you found out he was going on a date with your sister's best friend becky and you were like you know what becky fuck you <laughs> um i i just don't think it's ever going to be positive and productive do i think that you can have a healthy friendship with an ex yes do i think you can fuck your ex five times a week and be okay when they put time into someone else no <laughs> that's just no baby cakes uh, I hope that helped this next question is saucy this is the point where um every brand deal drops me and every parent I have rolls into their grave nah I'm kidding I need to have a drink of water I'm talking a lot <laughs> me on my own podcast I'm talking a lot <laughs> okay <sighs> let's hit it um how to feel confident in bed ooh, ooh, ooh. um and this question was actually related to someone who said that they'd only slept with one person so 
maybe I'm putting myself in your shoes. Maybe you're no longer sleeping with that person. It's time to branch out. Or maybe this is your first little situation. And if it is, that's so exciting. Get it, girl. I hope you're having fun. Be safe, as per always. Um, How to feel confident in bed. I mean, I think for me personally, feeling confident and feeling confident and feeling self-confident are two different things. So I am an incredibly confident person. I love public speaking. I actually prefer public speaking than speaking one-on-one. Like if I did actually used to do really well in speech competitions, I would love to talk to an auditorium of 10,000 people, but me talking one-on-one to a guy makes me want to die. It makes me want Middle Earth to open and eat me alive and slice me into pieces and throw me onto the motorway. Like the thought of being that vulnerable... I don't know, like I just struggle with that way more. Um, so for me, I know that I need to work on my self-confidence. For you, maybe you're really self-confident and you feel good in yourself and you feel secure, but you're not that confident to make the moves and to, you know, put yourself out there. So I think we all have a different race to run with both those categories. And I encourage you to separate them and look at them separately. And maybe you're like me, maybe you're really confident, but you're really self-conscious. And maybe you're not like me, you're really self-confident, you're really... Um, Try. So just look at what your strengths are and go from that. I'm, the reason I'm talking about all this stuff is because if you don't feel good in yourself, how are you ever going to expect anyone else to make you feel good? Um, and I truly believe that it's not really their job. Like obviously pleasure is important and not being selfish is important, but it's not their job for them to make you just like, they're not there to heal you. You need to heal yourself. Like I don't know that they can never get that deep with you. So to improve on your self-confidence, things like working out frequently. I mean, that's my holy mecca. If you guys want me to do an episode on how I how my journey has been with health and fitness I'm really happy to do that. We can talk to my really awesome personal trainers. I would love to talk to you guys about it, but um it's it really is key I just I love exploring my body in a fitness sense I love going to Pilates I love going to yoga I love going to boxing I love lifting weights I love hiking and I don't do all these things to be the best at them you don't have to do things to be the best at it you can just do it to explore yourself and I think exploring yourself sexually and exploring yourself in life is actually kind of the same thing it's getting to know yourself on a different level so whether you're engaging in hot yoga when you've never done it or whether you're taking your clothes off in front of this new person who you're into, it's all self-discovery and it's you have to be brave to do that. So I commend you on being brave. Um, and I think the more that you explore yourself and discover yourself in life, the more open you are to doing it in something as personal as the bedroom. Um, so I, I hope that makes sense. And that's kind of how I've always approached it, I guess, is it's having confidence is not this big, crazy thing. It's the small accumulation of things you've done well. So it's looking back and being like, hey, actually, I had a really great conversation that I was too scared to have. Or, hey, I finished that project and, you know, I, I did that really well. And I think as humans, we're always looking at our losses and our negatives and writing those up and weighing those, but we never list out the positives. So, Write a list of all the positive things about yourself, dude, and start to really accept and love all those small things that make you you. Um, someone who's got you in somewhere as personal as the bedroom, they've got you there because they, well, I mean, hey, <laughs> they might be a total douche kebab, but nine times out of 10, they, they're just into you for you and they've, they're already attracted to you. They wouldn't get you in that situation if they weren't. So know that you have nothing to prove or nothing to impress upon. You're impressive enough just as you are and you're beautiful just as you are. Um, So yeah, working out, feeling strong in myself, feeling confident. And then also I love lingerie. Like I actually, one of my biggest dreams in my whole life is to design lingerie. If you have known me for a while, you know that all my friends will like every day they message me, when's the lingerie coming? And I'm like, (laughs) I, yeah, used to remake it and remodel it. Um, I sometimes design it. I can't draw for shit. My friend Esther designs clothes and she's like actually a boss. And maybe one day I'll just be like, hey, can you just make me this lingerie set? (laughs) Um, So I I love a really beautiful pair, a little bit of lingerie. I love a fake tan. Shout out Bondo Sands. Bondo Sands, if you want to sponsor an episode, hit me up. Um, 
yeah, yeah. But if we're if we're being superficial, girl, get your fake tan, <laughs> and you'll be feeling a plus. I hope that was some help. Um, let's move on. What are my thoughts on body count? This is such a good question. You guys are asking me the best questions. Um, what do I think about body count? Okay. Mm, okay. <laughs> Cue everybody judging me. No, no, not at all. I, I guess I come from the standpoint of women should be able to do whatever they want to with their bodies in the same way that men can. I'm sorry, but if you think opposite, stop listening to this podcast. Like, I just think girls can explore themselves with whoever or with however many people they so require. And I also feel the same way about guys. Um, is it attractive to have slept with 500 people? Maybe not to certain people, but at the same time, you've had your experience and you've lived your life and you will have learned from those experiences, I would hope. Um, so I, I also think it's just kind of a personal thing. I've never felt the need to ask a guy that. I think I did when I was really younger. I was like, how many girls have you slept with? How many girls have you slept with? And I was like 17. But now that I'm older, I just don't feel the need to ever ask that question because I don't know, I, I, I value that my lover, my lover sounds so corny, my lover, I value that my partner would have you know, I want them to have fun and live their life and do the things that they want to do um, and be ready to be with me and commit to me. Um, if, if we're talking about this in a relationship sense, I guess. And to me, numbers don't really matter because it's who you are right now and who you are sitting in front of me and what you've learned and how we can create something beautiful ourselves. I don't think there's any need to bring in people from the past to impact something when those people aren't even here. They're not even relevant. They don't even apply. Uh, so I just am not one to really dwell on it. I really don't care. Of course, what I do care about is safety, um, and hygiene and have you been tested, my love? And are we good to go? I think people have such a stigma around talking about that, man, especially in New Zealand. That's what I've really found in America. So many people would talk about getting STD checks and I really encourage people to be more open about it and to get checked and to ask that question. It's not rude. Like, Obviously, be careful about how you word it, maybe, or the situation. But when I think of body count, I just think safety is key. In terms of actual numbers, I don't really give a fuck, if I'm going to be honest. Personally, myself, I think my own body count would be a lot lower than you would expect if you looked at me. <laughs> oh, God. Um, just because mainly the people who I've prioritized and engaged with in those way, that way have been people I've cared about and been with for a while. Um and that's just how I prefer it. But people who don't prefer that and are out there living their life, I think all power to you, female or male. I don't think it's something to ever judge someone on. And yeah, don't judge a book by its cover. So that's how I feel about that. Okay, so just another question. Uh, someone asked how the books I've written have influenced my love and sex life. I thought it was a really interesting question. Um, I mean, the first thing that springs to mind that I would like to say is that my poetry isn't a diary. And whilst I do use my own examples and my own love life for references, of course, I often will exaggerate the story or twist the story or change the story or incorporate past lovers, you know, multiple lovers in, into one poem because I'm a writer. It's not journalism. Um, and a lot of it is fictional. So one way that it's really impacted my life is that people have assumed certain poems were about 100% about a certain person, whether that's a friendship or somebody I was like seeing. Um, and nine times out of 10, they were wrong. Do like, do I, am I inspired by certain people? Absolutely. Yes. Is everything about them? Absolutely. No. Um, I actually was seeing someone in America for the last year and a half and I can't talk about him because of what he does for work. Um, and respecting his private privacy and his confidentiality, but I really loved him. He was a really great guy. And I actually 
was seeing him from the end of, oh, I mean, sorry, the beginning of 2018 before I even wrote Bully. And he inspired a huge amount of my books. Um, And he's the only guy that really has stood out for me in most of my poetry. If you know who he is, you know, you know why. <laughs> um, maybe I can tell you a little bit about him. I could reach out to him and see if he's okay with that. But he is in the public eye, so it's a little bit more challenging. Um, but, you know, I've I've definitely had poetry. People have linked it to, like, past exes or past people I've been into, and it's just like, nah. <laughs> they boys, I was fucking with a man. <laughs> um so yeah, uh, but the other way, I think in a way, social media more than my books definitely does impact my love life. I think if you look at someone on social media and they're, you know, always putting themselves out there or presenting themselves in a certain light, I think it can be kind of off-putting because you might think that they're more secure than they are. You might judge them. You might form, you know, I've had people like guys tell me, oh, you'd never date a guy with 800 followers. And I was just like, what the fuck, dude? My ideal guy doesn't have social media. <laughs> I've dated people with like a million followers. It's not, it's not it. It's not right. It's not fire. Um, so, uh, I mean, never judge a book by its cover. Um, and of course, I'm teeny tiny on social media. There's big titans out there who have way more followers than me. But I would date anyone with any amount of followers um, or no followers. It's 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 not a reflection of who you are. I'm obviously going to date you because I like you. But that I, I do think that social media more so than writing books has impacted my love life just off that basis of judgment, basically. And um, it was it's worse in New Zealand than it was in L.A. I used to live in L.A. I can do an episode on that because everyone had social media. So it didn't really matter as much over there, whereas over here, everyone kind of thinks I'm a little bit odd, I guess, or they're intimidated by it. I don't know if intimidated is the right word, but I think it can come off wrong what we're trying to portray on social media. And I understand that. And, but yeah, at the same time, it is my job and I do really enjoy it. So yeah, I mean, it is what it is in terms of how it's affected my sex life and love life. I would just say that less people approach me and when they do approach me, they approach me and they always express those concerns. They're like, oh, you know, I was in kind of shock to see what you do or I was, you know, it's kind of intimidating that you make money from doing that or you own your own business or like a lot of guys will say something kind of negative when they open up and like talk to me about like being interested in me or, um, sorry, I dropped my microphone. I'm, I'm not trying to sound vain or arrogant or anything like that. I hope that comes across with this. Um, I hope you understand what I'm saying, but I, I don't think the books have impacted it. I think social media and growing on social media definitely has. Um, but then again, when I fuck with people who, you know, I just said, I don't mind if you've got no social media and I don't, <laughs> but when I do kind of chat to people who are into social media and they do work in it, then it's no problem. And we can have really fun conversations and encourage each other and motivate each other to do really cool things. Okay, someone said flirting tips, and I am in my grave, you guys. I am in my grave. <gasps> okay, um, flirting tips, flirting tips, honey. Okay, what could I say? What can I say? I love a good Pokemon meme in response to someone like when they're getting really serious and really heavy with me I just love to just throw a little Pokemon meme in there and just keep the conversation light um I like you know answering those provocative asking provocative questions like well I don't know just being like well what would you do rah, rah, rah. I don't know. oh god everyone's dying but I think you just want to create interest flirting is just about showing your interest and creating interest and showing affection doing the little arm touch doing the little back touch doing the little long gaze long gaze across the room um doing the laughing with your friends ahaha but also when you flirt don't be obnoxious like I think it can be really powerful just to walk straight up to someone and be like hey like you're really cute oh my god in LA should I tell you this story okay in LA basically this guy we were at this restaurant and long story short this homeless woman attacked me she attacked me and my friend Liv and Molly she threw a glass at my head and it shattered on us and the matrity of this restaurant basically ran out and defended me and like chased her down 
And we were sitting outside, by the way, and the LAPD turned up and they couldn't even solve the case. And this guy sprinted around Venice Beach and got this woman and, like, got her arrested by the LAPD for smashing a glass on my head. And he ran in and I was like, is this guy my fucking hero? And I remember I grabbed him and I was like, I don't know how to tell you this, but I think you're my soulmate. And he was like, I think you already did tell me. And I was like, wait, you're so cute. Like, thank you for doing that. Can I please have your number? Like, I'd love to text you. And he was like, yeah, of course you can have my number. And he's like, I'm going to save it as Prince Charming. And I was like, oh my God, okay, awesome. I'll be your princess. And he's like, sounds good. Have a good night. And I turned around and I looked at my friends and their jaw was open and they were like, Cass, what the fuck? Like, how did you just do that? How did you say that? How did you have that confidence? And I, I don't know. That's a story I think of when I think of flirting because it's just that power and that obvious moment where you just, you got your cards on the table, just shoot your shot, baby, shoot that shot. And the worst thing that can happen is someone's going to be like, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm married with 58 kids and I'm a Mormon. And you'll be like, okay, cool, no worries. It's not going to work then. Like, I don't know, man. The worst that can happen is you get, um, what's the word, rejected. And if you get rejected, fuck him, move on to the next one and go to another cafe and wait to be assaulted for a maitre d' to save you. <laughs> um, there's a lot of fish in the sea. So I think with flirting, you want to be direct, go hard, go fast, go early in New Zealand. You know how it is. All right. Okay. The last question is not caring what boys think or how do you not care about what boys think? Um, so my lovely little tulips, I'm not sure if you were 16 and needing that, that advice or if you're 36 and needing that advice, but my point is I think we all have thought like that in the past so you're not completely alone um, in how you're feeling. Um, but my point is that we all think like that and we all worry about that and we worry about what other people think. I worry about it more than I should. I used to worry about it a lot more and recently I've just been letting go of it and that's because the reason why... I don't worry about what people think is because what people think of you is none of your business. That is not a quote I made up. That is a quote that some fucking Greek philosopher said, dude. But <laughs> my point is that there's, there is so much more to your life than just what people think of you. And if you live your life worried about what people think of you, you're never going to be living into your true authentic self and you're never going to find that freedom because you're always worried about hyper-analyzing the consequence of an action that you may have. And the truth is you're actually not going to please everyone. If you don't have someone biting back at you, if you don't have haters, you're not doing something right, man. So you you can't worry about what someone thinks. Like, those situations in my life where I, okay, so I literally used to actually adapt myself for whatever boy I liked like I liked this boy in the mountain he was if you're not from New Zealand it's a surfer town and he was this this big surfer dude and I literally bought a skateboard and packed a suitcase and went down to the mount and was like speaking surfer language and running around with braids and shells on me and it was just like that's not you and every time I've done that and every time I've changed myself for someone because of what they might think about me, I've ended up really unhappy because I've lost that true, as I said, that true authentic moment of just being who I am. And that is your power. And someone should like you for exactly who you are. They shouldn't like you for the image you curate or the things that you pretend to like because they like. I see you, you girls out there listening to Def Jam punk music when you're not into it because he is stop that shit like you're allowed to like different things to people and that's the whole beauty of it that's what makes people interesting like imagine if we were all the same and we all just like the same stuff that would suck so try not to think about what he's thinking about because boys don't really think about that much <laughs> boys are simple creatures so for you to just overanalyze you know you don't actually know what they're thinking Try, just make sure you don't have assumptions about people because you can't tell what's going on in their life and what's weighing on their shoulders all you can tell is how you react and how you're thinking about it and you might have this completely wrong you might be thinking oh my god he's he doesn't like me and he might really like you but he's lost his job and he's focusing on some other stuff so if you're worried about what people are thinking 
or what boys are thinking, ask them. Just be like, hey, what are you thinking about? Hey, what what do you think about me? I know that sounds scary and it takes courage, but you're going to save a lot of time. If I could have taken that advice two years ago, oh my God, it would have saved like two years. (laughs) I just used to live in this space of trying to please these guys I liked and just being their perfect little Barbie doll and none of them liked me for it. None of them found it interesting or cool or fun or sexy at all. And when they did find me cool, interesting, fun and sexy was when I was just being Cass and when I was just being my weird self and sending them Pokemon memes and just being me and not listening to the songs they like or being the aesthetic they like. So the more you are yourself, the more you will attract people who just like you, man. And that is the goal. You just want people who are into you and vice versa. You're just into them. So have a think about where this overthinking is coming from, which is kind of a theme of what I've been saying. Everything all these narratives and all these actions, you guys, like all these behavioral patterns you have, they come from somewhere. They're masking something. There's a narrative that you are telling yourself on repeat. And it's a narrative you've picked up in the past that is coming back to haunt you and playing in real time. I encourage you to explore that. If you would like any more help with exploring that, questions on spirituality, any other questions, feel free to DM me and say, hey Cass, this is a question for the podcast or I will ask you guys for some help and prompts with questions. Um, Oh my God, there's a delivery man giving me a package. Yos, yos, yos. Hey baby, hey. Okay, I'm actually thinking about like dating my delivery man because there's no one else to date whilst I'm in ISO. I'm going to wave at him, guys. Oh my God, I love him. He's so cute. Hey, he waved at me too. Daddy, that's daddy. Okay. Anyway, what was I saying? Oh yeah. Look at yourself, look in deeper, ask me questions and I will be here this time next week. I'm going to be doing these weekly now, guys. I'm really excited. Oh my God, I'm excited to have guests on. I'm excited for everything that is to come. No question is off limits. You know me, open book, baby. My name's Cass and this has been Sass. Thank you for listening. Hey guys, just before you clock out, I just wanted to say a massive thank you to 25 for making this episode possible. Um, As I said before, 25 really is a fantastic all-round protein supplement, full meal if you need it to be, and it is made here in New Zealand with the highest quality ingredients. It is packed with nutrition. I've been on 25 for about four months now and I'm feeling amazing. I love it. It gives me so much energy, fuels me to do my things, fuels fuels me to write my books. If you're interested in 25, you can use the discount. Cass is hot. Cass is hot for a little discount on any purchase available 25.com. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you guys have a fantastic day. Be safe and I will talk to you really soon. Bye.